LSG Media presents a Game of Thrones podcast. Welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean and I am joined by Jessica. And today we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones, The Broken Man, the seventh episode of the sixth season. We are getting down to the wire here. We have a lot to talk about. However, before we start today, I would like to quickly just say something uh, from the bottom of my, of my heart and, and say it quickly and not to take up too much time, but to make sure to give respect where respect is due. And that is this. One of our listeners, Jamie, he is going through a really rough time right now. He got a medical diagnosis that was not good. He is a young man, and uh, it pains me to mention it, but I want to mention it because I want you guys to think about him. I want you to think about what he's, go- what he's going through and uh, give him some love and uh, whatever it is, prayer, love, whatever it's going to be. Think about him. Put him in your thoughts. He's a good guy. He writes the blog for the Game of Thrones that follows our episode. He's contributed numerous times to this show. And in my opinion, he has made the show better than it was when we were starting because of his frequent contributions. So please put Jamie in your heart and uh, just know that he's going through some tough times right now. So when you're sitting in your podcasting studio complaining about the heat. Remember that some people have fucking real problems. And uh, I just want to quickly offer my respect and my love and uh, in my thoughts to Jamie and his family and his wonderful and supportive wife and in uh, all of that. So please think about Jamie today and, uh, and what he's got going on. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a motherfucker, man. I'm not going to get into it, but that's it. We love Jamie, and love Jamie. he's one of the OGs, one of our earlier listeners, and a huge contributor, and he's very missed, um, and he's in our thoughts. He's course. in our thoughts. Always. He's in our thoughts. He might pop in to listen to this. If he does, I hope you do. Love you, brother. I wish you the best. Let's get down to business. Let's get down to the business of murder and treachery in Westeros, and as incest. well as in Essos, as well as incest and fucking the tits off of people. Because let's face it, I've never heard that before, and it's my new favorite saying. Is it? I think it is. It would be. Yeah. Anyway, as I was saying, um, I'm excited. I'm ready to talk about some shit. What direction do you want to go today? We're going to begin with what I wrote, Rando Sunshiny Place, and then parentheses I wrote with the Hound. So that's about all I know for that awesome. locale. Awesome. Um, but we're going to begin at the beginning. We're going to begin at the beginning. Because we need where to we talk should begin, I guess. about... Not just the beginning scene, but I don't know. And please, someone in the chat, correct me if you know. I think this is the only time we've ever seen a cold open on Game of Thrones. I think so. It was amazing. Like, we've never, ever, ever had a cold open on the show before. And when this began, I was sitting with, we had friends over and we were watching this. And I'm like, why is there a cold open right now? What's happening? And then I saw Ian McShane and I knew. Do you recall how ludicrous I was in the room while we were watching this? I was pretty ludicrous too. So. Yelling and screaming at the TV like I was watching a sporting event. Yeah, we we're pretty. Yeah, Dean probably yelled at "damn son." That tends to be his his yell he goes to when he's excited. I think it went like this. Let me pull the mic away. Oh shit! Who's that? Who's carrying the fucking tree by himself, yeah. bitch? No. Oh shit! It was. I think that it guy looks pretty strong. <laughs> it was. 
I, I said something like, who's going fucking commando on the tree, bitch? And uh, I was narrating it like I was some sort of sports commentator that's allowed to swear. It was wild. As soon as I saw Ian McShane, uh, I knew we were going to see The Hound because, as I said last week, yeah, Ian yeah. McShane did an interview where he said he brought a beloved character back from the dead. <laughs> right. As far as I'm concerned, that had to be The Hound. It had so to be The Hound. There's all the speculation about it from people who read the books and know more than people like me who don't read the books and so i just pretend that i know what they know now yeah well i um what were your before we even get to the hound what tell me about your overall thoughts on this week's episode there's a lot of people a lot of people you know people say about episodes where not a lot of shit actually happens they call them setup episodes yeah we've had it's two like in a, a row. new it's like a new glossary of terms They're i like, use that this term is a I, think setup I, I think i made it up i think we probably all have i think i started it, it ju- i don't think you did i'm <laughs> just gonna throw it out there just throwing it out there, Jessica. I know you started that one. Yeah, I did. As you were saying. <laughs> this was a setup episode, and we've had two setup episodes in a row, basically, where nothing happened and no one on my Deadpool died. Although every week I say, next week, someone on my Deadpool is going to die, and then nobody dies. Uh, but for a setup episode, I thought it was pretty good. And I have to say that when this episode started and I saw the hound, I tweeted and I said, I don't care what else happens in this episode. I love it. Solely based on the hound returning. And I'm going to stick with it. I liked it. I had no problem with this episode. Uh, there was some intrigue. There's some things to come. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Especially rewatching it. I love the stuff with Jamie and the Blackfish. I love the stuff with Atlanta yeah, and Cersei. Yeah. It, it's just, there was so much shit talking that was just hilarious to me. Oh, and more than anything I've ever loved in my life, I love Liana Mormont. Mm-hmm. Let's, if we, if we do a high level overview, we got the hound battling himself. We've got Marjorie battling the religion. The religion. We've got Elena battling Cersei. Amazing. We have the Blackfish battling Jamie. Also amazing. We have the Snow Company. <laughs> just just going door to door. Just, hey, vote for just vote for us for president. Fucking Jehovah witnessing the shit out of people. <laughs> have you heard about the good book? No, get off my lawn and take your fucking stupid ten speed out of here. God damn it. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff like that. I like. Oh, and, I, and you, and you are great joy telling Theon to commit suicide. That was a too. great scene. It was. I know. A I say great it like fucking it's scene. a bad thing, but it was actually. And then, of course, this stuff with Arya at the end. So there's, yeah, I mean, things happened. It, there, some things are set up, but I kind of feel like it's not like they go, okay, let's introduce a problem. How are they going to fix it? Set up conclusion. I mean, it's not that simple. I think there's more to it than that. But I, uh, I definitely think that. The Hound stuff was great. The overall thoughts I have on this episode, the first thing I want to mention is, is that it was beautiful. These scenes with the Hound are beautifully shot. The camera work is outstanding. This guy, Mark Mylod, I think is his name. He's just a TV director. He did a lot of Entourage. He's done a few Game of Thrones. I love Entourage. And uh, I just found that their decision uh, on the palette was great. It wasn't muted colors. These exterior shots in Game of Thrones always use muted colors and they drain some of the more vibrant greens out of the palette. It's part of how they edit their film. It's part of how they shoot their film to give you a drab medieval tale that is dark. This thing with the Hound, I really liked. Um, I think John Marginson said it in his comment when he said, this place is untouched by war until it is, which is Mm. exactly what I was thinking. It's a place that is untouched by war right up until it is. And uh, you can tell there's vegetables, there's 
there's a vibrancy, there's a community feeling. There's a group of people that are doing something in Game of Thrones, and this never happens in Game of Thrones, but this scene with the Hound, it starts with a group of people building something because they all want to build something and getting joy out of doing that thing. It, when people come together on Game of Thrones, it's, it's to defend, it's to invade, it's to protect. It's always based around some sort of martial endeavor. It's to overthrow, it's to subvert. This was one of the rare cases we had a group come together just to be doing something nice. Even when we have feasts, and we don't even need to mention weddings, the weddings are always a nightmare in this show. But even when they have feasts, even if you go back to season one when Robert goes to the, goes to the feast, it, 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 it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't end well. There's always these underlying themes going on, this intrigue and this backstabbing. This felt incredibly innocent to me. And just like a group of people who are hanging out in the woods making a goddamn church by the look of it with their pulleys and their saws and their potatoes and their smiles. Smiling and loving their life. Their hard work. Just being people. And it's something you don't see in Game of Thrones that often and it's something that stood out to me right away. That and of course the way they decided to shoot it. There's some great tracking shots of look at the beautiful tree and the people working and the carrying the logs and Ian McShane with this tan weathered face and this the brightest blue eyes I've ever seen on a human eyes gray looking hair awesome. looking like a beautiful man that has aged very well since Deadwood. he has he's and handsome just being uh, uh, happy and being honest and that's something that was great now as scott's mentioning right I know, now i was just gonna chat, have to read that comment he's saying you know they were happy but we knew they were in trouble absolutely we sure did no one's happy in game of thrones but it took us a while. It took us a while. To get to their death. To get to a their whole death. episode. So let's talk about it. As per it. usual, here's a new character. He's awesome and you're going to love him. He is now dead. That's basically how it went. Yeah, exactly. So men are building a church. Plenty of hard work. Decent folk. We meet Brother Ray, played by Ian McShane. Infamous for his role as Al Swearingen in Deadwood. He was also in, what's that other thing he was in? Yeah, it's a medieval Pillars of the Earth. Pillars of the Earth, thank yeah. you. That's what I always think. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking of Pillars of the Earth when I was watching the scene because you got these people building this thing just for the joy of building this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's more like we're building it as a homage to God. But it's, I guess you could say it's similar here. But anyway, Brother Ray's talking to him and he says, boy, how many men did it take to cut you down? Just one. Must have been some kind of monster. Like, you was a woman. A woman. Right. I love the way the hound just admits it. Like, it was a woman. Yep. <laughs> if there's one thing the hound is, it's it's honest. And Brother Ray, of course, laughs. Um, and later we see the hound eating alone. So the, the first thing we want to do is, as a viewer, the first thing that's going through my mind in this moment is, what? how did he survive? And what's his relationship with these people? And they start to show it to us right away. He's eating alone. Brother Ray says to him, you know, some of these men are afraid of you. I'm used to it. The hound says, I love the hound. of course, oh he is used to it. And that's when we get a little bit of a backdrop. I thought you were dead for days. You smelled, had flies, a bone sticking out of you right here. He touches him on the leg. And that's when Brother Ray recalls how the hound almost died and how he thought he died until he coughed, coughed. And then he's like, I almost shit myself. So he scared him. So they thought he was dead. These traveling, this traveling band that recruit people into their kind of weird cult. And uh, he was left for dead. Thought he was dead. What kept you going? 
I'm a big fucker and I'm tough to kill. Hate. <laughs> that too. That's a great line though. I'm a big fucker and I'm tough to kill. There's something about this though that I appreciate where they weren't like, hey, the hound was dead and like we brought him back to life. Like we just brought Jon Snow back to life. We literally brought him back to life. I like that he was like, hey, I found you and I thought you were dead and I was going to bury you. And then you coughed and I realized you were alive. Like you had a will to live. He lived because somebody found him before it was quite too late and that the hound really hung on. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that it wasn't something magical. Sure. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Really, that it was just he did not want to let go, the right. hound. And someone found him at the right time. I like it. It's a good point. There's a reason you're still here, though, isn't there? I like this stuff. And beyond him being a big fucker and tough to kill, Brother Ray corrects him. No, no, no. A reason. And that's when they start to talk about faith a little bit. And here is where Game of Thrones fooled me as a watcher. They fooled me good. This next group of dialogue by Brother Ray made me believe he was going to be around for a while because I find him to be such a refreshing and honest guy. And you know what? I can see why the Hound sticks around this guy, because that's another thing I was thinking. He's obviously healed, and he's useful. He can carry trees. He can chop wood like nobody I've ever seen. He can kill the mountain. <laughs> Just kidding. He, um, but not. But I wondered, so knowing what I know about the Hound, we think he dies. These guys nurse him back to health. We know how the Hound is. Why doesn't he just leave? I think it's because of this guy, Brother Ray. I agree. And I think Brother Ray's honesty with the Hound is something that kept them together. I think that honesty is something that the Hound appreciates because Brother Ray is not a pretender. I like this. He says a bunch of good stuff here. He says, you know, I don't know the gods or the real names or which faith is right. If it's the red God, if it's the old God, if it's the seven gods, I don't know. But what I do know is that there is something greater than us. This is the sentence that made me think we were going to see more of him. This little, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but this group of dialogue, I liked it a lot. I liked how the Hound listens to him. I like how he says, there's something more, and it has plans for Sandra Clegane. So the Hound retorts, why haven't they punished me for being terrible? And he's like, oh, they have. They have. They clearly have. Look at you, right? But I like this. I like that he is a guy who... You know, one of the great quotes I've ever heard about religion is this. The worst thing to ever happen to God has been religion, right? That's a quote I've heard before. The worst thing that's ever happened to God was religion. And I think Brother Ray is somebody who encapsulates this ideal. He wears the seven-pointed star, so he is, and he calls himself a septon. We don't learn much about him, but we do know this. But he does say, he does say that, I don't know if it's the red God, I don't know. I don't know, but I know something more than us exists. I really appreciate this perspective. I think a lot of people, agnostics, I think you would be called, have a perspective like this. I have a perspective like this. I don't think, I'm not a straight atheist. I think that there are things that lie way beyond our explanation of things. And I don't know what you would call that. I don't know if it has a face. I don't know if it's anything. It could just be the fucking galaxy that we don't understand yet. It could just be scientific discovery we're not smart enough to understand yet. I don't know. But I do know that there's something more beyond our understanding. Whether or not that's an omnipresent being, I couldn't tell you. But I found myself aligning with how Brother Ray feels here. I like that he said this to the Hound. And I think the Hound appreciates the fact that he isn't pretending like he knows the truth. Because there's certain truths that the Hound knows. And the Hound knows the nature of men and the nature of life and death very well. He has a very good idea as to 
what the real world is like. He's lived it, he's been punished by it, and he's killed people and gotten rid of them and, and murdered a lot of people. So he has a very primal and realistic view of the world. And I think this connection with Brother Ray was really obvious when you listen to these two guys talk, or at least when you listen to him talk at the Hound. I loved it. I loved it. I find all of this interesting, this this stuff with the Hound, because as much as the Hound's like, hey, I'm a big fucker, I'm tough to kill, I'm this, like, why haven't the gods punish me? And all this stuff that he says, or he's kind of like on the outside and not quite a part of it, but he wants to be. Right. Like, I think the Hound is like, I, I want to relax. I just want to sit here and be a part of something. I want to be someone different. Like yes. maybe this, this near death experience has changed him in that manner where he's like, I don't want to be this violent person anymore, but I don't know how to not be. And the problem is, is this change that he was going through is now completely turned back around it's by, curbed. by these people being killed. Now he's like, okay, well back to violence. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny is I think this whole scene is a microcosm for the entire song of ice and fire. It's a reminder that this is the way life works in this fucking place. And this scene is a reason why people are so pessimistic about Game of Thrones and the fate of their characters. It's because of this scene right here. In my opinion, a microcosm for the whole fucking show. If when they chop Ned Stark's head off at the end of season one, the biggest named actor in the show, head gone, dead, people stop watching. I personally know people who stopped watching at that point because they couldn't wrap their head around, oh, I, they killed the main character. Why am I going to be interested anymore? Blah, blah, blah. Because they didn't care about the other subtleties or what it could grow into. It's possible those people came back. I don't know. I have lost contact with them, but I know. <laughs> we and, don't talk to those people anymore. You, yeah, I don't know. I, I chopped their head off in my mind. <laughs> but I do know that, that that happened. And it's crazy to think about, but this scene is just another reminder. And it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. This, this brother, Ray, was a good person for the Hound to be involved with. This man with a violent past who changed, who saw something in the Hound, who wanted to bring him in and make him a part of this, who doesn't believe in violence or fighting anymore. It's just, it was, right. it was nice to see. And then it's just like everything. You're like, this is nice. The Hound is going to be a wonderful person, have a great life, and, and be happy and just have ale and soup. And build churches, <laughs> and then literally everybody gets murdered, and he's got to go kill some fools. So ale, soup, and churches. <laughs> that's basically Game of Thrones in a nutshell to me. Someone is happy, we right. think good is going to come, and then instead, absolute terrible comes, and we move on back to violence. What, what's funny about this scene? What's so interesting about it is the fact that it doesn't lull you into a false sense of security over episodes. <laughs> it presents yeah, yeah, yeah. it presents this scenery, it presents this thing, and then it rips it from your fucking clutching hands as you hold the hound and this path you want it to take so bad. It you it's gone as fast as it's there. You know? It's crazy. It's typical it's, it's nuts. Game of Thrones. Typical Game of Thrones. Mm, typical. These dudes, the Brothers Without Banners, come and they are, while Ray is telling stories about how he used to kill people, they make some pretty clear threats. Um, not just veiled threats. They're basically like, yeah, we're going to come back and kill you fuckers if you don't give a shit. Uh, and they come back and they kill everybody. What's also interesting about this is Ray goes to talk to the Hound who is alone. He's a part of this group, but he's still not a part of it. And he says, come eat with us. And the Hound's like, no, 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 I got to cut more fiber. I got to do this. And Ray says, you know what? I'm going to save you some soup. I might even have some ale. 
Tom gets really excited. We know he loves ale. He's like, I'm going to join these people later. I'm going to cut a couple more pieces of firewood. and I'm going to join my new family. And then he goes to join his new family. His new family has been murdered brutally. His new father figure hung, hanging from the church rafters. And... Well, you went through this bad, Larry. I had some stuff to say here. Sorry, I was uh, trying to fix this piece of machinery. So you didn't even listen to me as I spoke. I heard everything. Yeah, I'm listening to you. All right, I want to talk about a little bit of Brother Ray holding court. He recalls being a soldier, like you said, killing people, following orders, the old Nuremberg defense, right? Right. We were just following the alders. He recalls a woman screaming at us. In this line that he says here, we weren't animals. Animals are true to their nature. We betrayed ours. And I think that's a great point. Animals don't kill out of malice. Oh, animals are so wonderful. People do. People kill out of malice. Animals don't do that. You know, they, they're not trying, they don't, they're not delighting in your pain. They're not thinking, oh, this is so wonderful to watch you squirm and beg and die. People do that shit. And uh, it's fucking crazy that to think about Brother Ray as being a former soldier who was this guy who did this terrible shit and how he knew it wasn't right at the time. He says, I'll think about that woman screaming forever. I, I will never forget that. He cut this kid's throat. I mean, that's crazy shit. And he recalls the shame. I think he uses shame. And when he's telling this story, this is cut against great reaction shots of the hound really thinking. In my opinion, you can really see him contemplating the words that Brother Ray is spouting. He really is thinking, fuck, man, this is me. And I don't say this very often, but I really think the hound felt some remorse probably for some of the people he's killed in the service of the Lannisters, as House Clegane is a, is a banner to them. I'm sure he's got some regrets there. So Brother Ray knows he can't bring that lad back that he killed, but all he can do is bring good into the world. Never too late to come back, and I'm pretty sure he looks right at the hound when he says that, and that's when these riders yeah, approach. Yeah, he does. So they, these riders approach. For a split second, I thought it was Brienne. I, I thought it was Brienne as one of the riders. I'm like, oh, shit. That would have been awkward for everybody involved. <laughs> and then they continue. It's not about the gods. You have to answer your prayers yourself. This is another great line. You know, if there's one thing that troubles me about super religious people, it's when they don't accept responsibility for making changes in their life. And I'm not saying all of you, so relax. But I like that he says, you can pray, but you need to do stuff for yourself as well. So maybe you can pray for that help and get a little help, but don't sit there and just pray and wait. Get off your ass and make shit happen. You can't pray, you're going to get a job. Go fucking get a job. Go fill out applications. I've tried. Pound the- <laughs> it, does, it doesn't work. Get, get, you, you know, you can't, you got to pound the fucking pavement. You got to be, you have to make the changes. And you can say God gives you the strength and all this shit, whatever you want to say. But you got to do shit. gave me that strength to get a job. <laughs> it's not about the gods. You have to answer your prayers yourself. Brother Ray reminds him. And he asks the riders what's going on. I think, I believe they say the night is dark and full of terrors. That's what they say before they ride away. But I like how they want food and he's like, come by for supper. Like he's trying to be cordial. He knows they're bandits. And uh, later when they're talking alone, as you were saying, they get into some stuff. Violence just brings more violence is basically what we're trying to get yeah, at here. It's a disease. You don't cure it by spreading it to more people. Which is honestly the truth. But you don't cure it by dying either, he says. Right? Although you kind of do, technically speaking. I mean, if you're dead, I'm not a you fucking can't be biologist, anymore, but if you're so. dead, the Unless disease you're dies white, with you. 
then you bring your violence to a whole new super fast terrifying situation yeah but the hound ends up staying behind to work now because he's a part of it but not a part of it as i said he is a part of it but not a part of it i also think that he has to a lot to think about i think he's contemplating a lot about what brother ray said today when yes, he was holding today. <laughs> the one day where he the was alive in our lives I think he was really, I think the hound was really thinking about the shit that he said to him. And he hears the sounds of murder, a sound he's all too familiar with. The sounds of murder, you know, those sounds. And then he rushes out there and they're all fucking dead, including Ray hanging there with terrible hanging face. I hate hanging face. There's been too much of it this season. I do not like hanging face. Season six loves hanging face. Everyone has these sad blue eyes when they hang and they just look, I just don't like it. I don't care if it's realistic or not. I hanging do not face. want any more hanging face. Oh, it's bad news, bears. I mean, we were all happy about Ollie hanging, but that I don't need to see it anymore. Yeah, it's no good. Bad news, bears. So the hound turns, and we get a great shot of him pulling the axe out of the stump, and we know that the hound is going to seek revenge. I wrote, fuck peace. The hound is going to kill some fuckers. Right. How's that for not swearing? He is. He is definitely going to do that. And it's important to note that that's something that uh, Cersei wants to do, right? She wants revenge. Uh, Theon Greyjoy wants revenge. There's a lot of revenge going around this week. The Waif wants revenge. A lot of revenge this week. Who else wants revenge? I hope we can talk about this theme more. Absolutely. Well, we can and we will. But where to next? Tell me where we're trotting off to. Speaking of revenge, we're just going to move over the Riverlands where everybody wants revenge against somebody. Everybody wants. All right. So in the Riverlands, I like the Riverlands, boy. I like the scene a lot. Oh, the, the the number of quotes I wrote down in this episode because so many hilarious fucking things were said. I just can't even. Brendan the Blackfish is my new favorite character. He's funny. Shit, well, first man. Ian McShane was my new favorite character. And now he's dead. Yeah. So now Brendan the Blackfish long. is my new favorite character. I don't know. I may have a couple other new favorite characters throughout this, but really I'm high on Blackfish. So Jamie and the Lannisters arrive. They have eight. And Braun. Okay. I'm, I'm going to quickly mention what we learn at the end of the Jon Snow stuff. And at the end of the Jon Snow stuff, we learn that they have 2,000 wildlings, 200 hornwoods, 142 mazes. 143. And 62 Mormons. Okay. Rough math, under 2,500. Jamie Lannister gets to the castle at River Run, 8,000 strong. That's an eight. That's 8,000 strong. 2,505 is how many people they have. Right. So my point is, is that that ain't shit in the land of Westeros. So it's a good comparison to think about the numbers that they throw around. I know, I know. That's, that's definitely worth 100. But um, so Bronn and Jamie discuss the inept siege. When they show up, the Frey, the Frey lads, well, one's a Frey. One's technically a bastard, so he's called a river. A Frey and a river. River's oh, is that the, what they call them? Yeah, the bastards are <laughs> rivers. Funny. Uh, I like snow better. Walder River and Lothar Frey, or maybe I have that backwards. Um, anyway, they get there. Bronn and Jamie discuss the inept siege setup. It's pretty bad. It looks- Bronn discusses how he wanted to just marry a lady and go about his life. Mm-hmm. And Jamie's like, yeah, you'll still do those things. And Lannister always pays his. And Bronn said, whoa, I have heard that shit enough. It's written on every wine glass I own. I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to hear, I don't hear about bullshit. your Lannister bullshit. I want to go to Dorne and I want to bang a sand snake. You know, it's funny. I thought about the phrase and I thought about how inept they are and a couple things. One, they probably can't get right because they're all inbred out. But they look two, like can't get rights. But two, they don't, 
they aren't the phrase during Robert's Rebellion, I think they never really showed up to war. They kind of came late. That's why they call them the late Walder Frey. They, late, yeah. they are at the Twins, which is a highly defensible position. So they know how to defend places, but they, I don't know if they have much renown as siegers. So it doesn't surprise me that these two chuckleheads have no idea what the fuck they're doing. But I'm surprised that Lord Walder Frey would send two guys who don't know how to siege a castle. Not to mention one of the hardest castles to siege around. I mean, it's got water on three sides, drawbridge. It's not easy to I siege this castle. I don't think Walter Frey knows any better, honestly. Yeah. Well, it continues. <laughs> Jamie wants Bronn to leave the siege. He tells him, you have better instincts than anyone in the, Lannist- in the Lannister army. Don't you start pronouncing Lannister. To which correctly. the Bronn replies. The Bronn. <laughs> that's like saying He's I have like a... He's like a superhero now. That's like saying I have a bigger cock than anyone in the Unsullied, which is great, <laughs> which is a big insult to House Lannister. But Jamie continues. He wants him to be his right hand. That's when they get into the promises, as you mentioned. And we see Walder Rivers shouting at the Blackfish. Open the gates or we will kill him, etc. Yield the castle, etc. And then we get this great reaction shot on the Blackfish standing up in the ramparts of that castle. And he's looking down. It's this low angle shot, not to get too cute with the, with the camera shots, but you know what I mean. It's looking up at him, in other words. And then in that moment, Direct TV goes out. Oh, yeah. This is what happened when we were watching. If you want a real behind the scenes story here. Direct TV goes out. We have company over. Like, this is a serious event. And it's downpouring rain. And it stops on the Blackfish's face. It freezes on that old Blackfish's grimace. The face that says, I don't give a flying fuck about Edmure Tully or what you think you're going to do to this castle. This is my home. And we stood it and we looked at that face for a while. Crying, honestly. We lamented about how the stupid rain knocked it out. And we were like, well, this sucks because when the signal goes out, the DVR misses it too. So you can't even rewind it. So I'm like, well, we're fucked. And then my brother comes through in a pinch. A great man in our lives. Because he was over. He designed the artwork for all the shows. Jacob, shout out. How you doing, buddy? What's up, Jake? And he goes, wait a second, guys. I have an HBO Now account. And I was like, no way. So we set that bitch up and all it goes is well. And then when we resume, the Blackfish says, go ahead, cut his throat. My exact quote I wrote down is they threatened to cut his throat and the Blackfish is like, okay. Okay. It's pretty much it. Okay. That's it. Yeah. It's fine. That's it. Go for it. Slice that throat. Jamie's like, all right, you guys suck. Yeah. Let me take over here, you foolish, foolish boys. Yeah. He says, listen, you let 8,000 men approach you unawares. That's... That is unforgivable. Pretty embarrassing, honestly. I mean, eight, and a column of 8,000 troops. By the way, can we talk about Jamie's Lannister armor with those lions on his shoulders? Yeah, I know. Jamie looks handsome and stuff. I'm kind of over Jamie right now. But I guess when him and Bran are friends again next week, I'll be back on board. I don't so. appreciate you right now. I don't appreciate your casual nature in which you talk about Jamie Lannister. This is my problem. I'm so fucker. fickle. I'm just so fickle about my love for people in the show. I don't know. Except for Jorah. I always love Jorah. Hmm. Well, he looks awesome. The Lannister armor looks cool. It has almost like a samurai look to it, the way it's banded across the bottom, across the, the belly there, and the big shoulder pads with the lion head emblazoned, well, not emblazoned, but carved into it. That looks awesome. You're an insane person. He looks good. He looks handsome. I mean, I'd sleep with him if he offered, but eh. Um, it continues. Yes. <laughs> Lothar Frey is chastised. He gets a smack on the face. He also demands that Edmure get bathed and fed. 
Walder, Walder Rivers threatens Jamie. That doesn't go over well. And he says, listen, I'm here to take this over. The king's command. I'm taking this castle. You guys suck. I got this. Give a bath to this poor, dirty, Bathe dirty, dirty Tully. Man. Yes, he's disgusting. And then Bronn tells Walder and Lothar to get cracking on the siege engines, start digging trenches. And uh, Jamie says, I'm going to parlay with the blackfish. Oh, my God. The level switch. I love the scene between the blackfish and Jamie. Yeah. It's fucking funny, like laugh out loud funny. It's laugh out to loud me, funny. I but we out should loud. mention, like Yara says, we should mention a gold-handed bitch slap. A gold-handed backhand bitch slap. It's that more than a Jamie bitch slap. Delivers. It is outstanding. It's a serious, serious injury. It's beautiful. Smacks him real good. Don't talk to somebody with a gold hand like that, honestly. No. Uh, but Jamie and, and the Blackfish decide to parlay. Some great cinematography here. We saw this in the preview. The drawbridge coming down. Jamie and his men standing on one side and on the other side across this chasm. We see the Blackfish and his men in their scale armor looking real fishy. And they start talking. I assume you're here to fulfill the vow you gave my niece, but I don't see Sansa or Arya. Good Lord. Uh, he says, I don't have them. And the Blackfish says, pity. Would you like to resume your captivity? <laughs> <laughs> oh it gets better he's so ballsy it gets better jamie has the balls to say this castle belongs to lord frey you know he talks like that sometimes yeah i know it, oh i know it does not belong to lord that the balls of jamie to say that this is riverrun this is the tully's Tully. castle all because the phrase took it and he took a pack doesn't mean it's lord frey's castle how fucked up is that anyway the blackfish reminds him that you can see just and he's like, well, hundreds of your men will die. Hundreds of mine, thousands of yours. You know, I like how Jamie's actually really pleading with him. Jamie doesn't want to commit to sieging this fucking place. He knows it's going to be a nightmare. He doesn't want to commit his troops to sieging Riverrun. He's going to if he has to. It's not going to go well. He's going to lose a lot of men. To take a castle back from somebody who rightfully owns the castle right up until the post-Red Wedding event when the Tullys got backstabbed and lost their home. So it's... It, you're standing on some real thin ground here, Jamie. And you can tell he just wants this guy to give him the fucking castle. And, and that's the best part because the Blackfish is just basically calling his bluff. He's like, hey, you can attack us or you can try to starve us out. And then the quote is, we have enough provisions for two years. Do you have two years, Kingslayer? Mm. Again, more points for the Blackfish with another great comeback line. Mm. Yeah, really high on this guy. He's, he's definitely, good. He's good. He is, uh, he, he's, he's, got, he's got quick wit. Quick wit, this one. Basically, it's clear that he never actually plans to negotiate anything with Jamie. Jamie's pissed at this point. He asks him, I, why did you come treat with me? And the answer is because he was bored and thought it might be fun to come out and meet Jamie. I wanted to get a measure of you. And then he says, I'm disappointed. Mm. And I write in my notes, I fucking love this guy. Yeah. He's hilarious. He came out to meet Jamie because he was bored. So I know that. The Tullys have had a, some bad days since the Red Wedding. But let's talk about Jamie's last few days. Okay. So here he is, just trying to protect his son, trying to free his son. He's watching Lannister power disintegrate. His Cersei, his sister... His, his Cersei. <laughs> his sister Cersei is surrounded by enemies, as Olena points out. And he is dismissed from the Kingsguard by the very son he's trying to protect from the High Sparrow. Then he gets tasked with taking a Lannister army marching to Riverrun and sieging the fucking castle at Riverrun that is being held by Brynden the Blackfish. Boy, Jamie is not in a good place right now. 
All Jamie wants to do is fart around and fuck his sister and keep his kids safe. Yeah, Jamie. The fact that, again, previews for the next episode, if you don't want this, this isn't spoilery, but Jamie's like, I will kill every Tully there is if I can be with Cersei. Jamie, you need to find a life outside of Cersei. Like, you're really codependent, and if you were in therapy, your therapist would tell you that life is not just about Cersei. You need to get a job that doesn't have to do with her and find something else that brings you joy. Honest to God. Like, he needs to read a self-help book. He is in a tough spot. I mean, he was a legendary sword fighter. He lost his right hand, and it's been a real struggle ever since. He's really had All to learn a lot. All he's got is his sister that he bangs. Oof, boy. Yeah. <laughs> what a tough life, you know? What are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe date Brienne or something. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm down on that. I don't care. Everybody who ships that in the chat, don't even talk to me about it. Yeah, I guess we should mention that people are in the chat. We should probably mention that this is being recorded live. On Mixler, Mixler.com slash LSG dash media. That's Mixler.com slash LSG media. Uh, we got some live chat going on. People giving us some ideas, talking, having a good time. They basically just correct us when we're wrong and make fun of us. So yeah. it's a fun place to be, honestly. Right. Yeah, I don't know. So the chat's saying that they should date. They should probably start dating, uh, uh, dating other people. Jamie should get a hobby. Yana Stark says. Yeah. It's a good it's a good call. Take up quilting perhaps from how yeah. Stark remembers. That Date seems around, pretty reasonable. Try other things and uh, you know, see how it goes. Play the field a little. Get on the West Rose Tinder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One handed night. <laughs> mm, she's low born, but she does have a great set of tits. Oh good lord. All right. Speaking of sisters that people are banging. <laughs> <laughs> At least Cersei's got other shit going on in her life. Yeah, I can. She's see. not like I will do everything to be with Jamie. She's like I got shit going on. Got a son I got to take care of. Got a kingdom I got to take back. Got a high sparrow I got to kill. Got a mountain that's gonna kill other people. She doesn't even remember who Jamie is. Honestly, I think that we know who's more invested in this relationship, and it is certainly Jamie. Yeah, I think so. The chat's being funny. Send a raven left. Yeah, I could see the app. They're swiping through. <laughs> and then there's one that says send Raven app and you hit it. But then you're like, oh, fuck. I don't have the send Raven app loaded. Raven. Now we're going to load the fucking send Raven app. So then after you're done loading the send Raven app, you got to put all your fucking credentials in and send your it's goddamn confirmation email. And then you send your Raven. And then you realize you sent it the wrong person. You try to recall it too late. Like, and then fuck. it's complicated. It's a mess. It's a tough app. It's a tough app. Westerosi Tinder. So let's do it. Let's before we talk about sisters banging sisters, we'll talk about women banging fourteen year olds or not banging fourteen year olds anymore because they found God, aka Marjorie Tyrell. So King's Landing, we will go. So back in the landing of the Kings, we start with Marjorie Tyrell. So we got three sections here Marjorie Tyrell, Septa Ulna, Olena and Marjorie, and then of course Cersei and Olena. So we'll start with Marjorie Tyrell. <laughs> Let's talk about her. The old high sparrow is just chatting. They're talking about Book of the Mother. And here's the passage that comes up. And let's oh. see if there's any significance to sure, this. Sure, tell me more. As water rounds the stones, smoothing what was jagged, so does a woman's love calm a brute man's nature. A wife solves her husband's wounds. A mother sings her song, her son to sleep. That last sentence I like. A wife solves, S-A-L-V-E-S, I guess, her husband's wounds. S-A-L? Like a yeah, solve? Yeah, like, like okay. a solve. Yeah, like a healing solve. Yeah, God, a mother sings her son to sleep. Hmm. Am I reading into this when I think 
A wife solving her husband's wounds. Is this something about Tommen? And then mommy singing her son to sleep, meaning... Tommen's going to be dead? Yeah, that's great. Mm. I'm high on that. Is Tommen on my mm. Deadpool? No, never mind. Let him live. He's on mine. I mean, I got to get one sooner or later, right? I'm 100% somebody's dying in my Deadpool next week. I'm sorry. Solve. 100%. So, Anyways. the High Sparrow gets, re- gets really gets... Re- you know, this is what always happens with these zealots. It always ends up creepy. <laughs> it always ends up creepy. And it didn't take this barefooted savage long to start asking about Marjorie and her sexual habits. Well, because Tommen just calls the high sparrow up and he's like, hey, listen, Marjorie's not banging anymore. And it's weird. He's like, hey, Ew. have a seat, Marjorie. I'm trouble. I'm, please, I'm, I can't stand so long. Please have a seat. Have you been letting your young husband plow you on the reg? It says in the book of banging that the husband should be plowed regularly, should plow the wife's field regularly to ensure that a new sprout arrives and we can continue the king's line. Desire has nothing to do with it. Go to the maester, grab some oils, (laughs) shoot some oils on that thing and get to work. Perform your womanly duties so we can have weak-ass kids and then watch them get assassinated someday. Yeah. Basically. That's what he's saying here. Rubber lips can't swing it. He ain't got the fucking balls. Or maybe just because he's weak. I mean... instead of talking to his wife and being like, hey, honey, we really haven't had sex in a while. Like, let's have a really romantic night and have a couple glasses of wine and, like, you know, see where things take us. Instead, he... Goes to some old fucking creepo with no shoes and says, hey, my wife's not banging me. Will you talk to her for me? Like, what the fuck? Okay. I was a typical 14-year-old. Who am I kidding? He's a dude and family guy. Hey, children, I'll talk to your wife for you. Um, yeah. He's like, I don't want to pay him right now, Marjorie. I'm playing Xbox. That's probably what he's doing. Oh, it's vice versa. He does want to bang. And Marjorie's like, well, I'm playing Xbox, okay? That's- you sexist you made it sexist we can play xbox too you made it sexist that's the irony all right so the high sparrow gets really weird <laughs> and then after he's done talking to marjorie about banging tommy he's like oh by the way your grandma's a bitch and you gotta do something about her yeah he I, is rude i fear for her safety so this guy just wants to convert everyone everyone right this guy has got a quota he needs to get cracking the old good book tells him that he needs to continue to witness to people and get them converted over because he knows the truth and to get rid of your shoes, I guess. Ew. So they talk and it goes on to discuss the poor. Marjorie, Marjorie plays the scene so well. You wonder, is she being serious? How much of this does she mean? None. She means none of it. I know. And, and she's we're going to find that out real soon. And again, I said this last week. So everybody didn't believe me. Go back and replay the recording. Andrea Ramos suggests that maybe the high sparrow wants to bang Grandma Elena. That's possible. Could you put a word in for me and tell Elena that I've recently washed my feet? I, I like I just I like Yana Stark's comment where she says, You need to bang your husband. Oh, and by the way, I will kill your grandma. <laughs> like that's a real good way to have the conversation. Foreplay. It's foreplay right there. So um yeah, the poor are hard to love. Margie admits to never really having loved them or that she pitied them. And then um, you know, they continue to talk about sexual congress. And uh, she asked for forgiveness. I think they call it sexual congress too, which was basically the greatest moment of my life, right? Did they actually call it sexual they congress? Say, he said congress. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's I thought I really thought that was something Dean made up like years ago, but I guess it wasn't. No. I, I used to say it a lot back in the <laughs> day. You used to say it all the time. And I was like, that's a hilarious thing that this guy made up. This is probably when we've been dating we've been dating for like six months. I'm like, this guy's so funny, sexual congress, but now I know he stole it from something. And then I was like, Can I get my sexual congress? Can Congress get in session, girl? And any other cheesy thing. I could also, I will kill your grandma. <laughs> I'll fill a bust in that ass. <laughs> Oh, my Jesus. dad's not listening to this podcast. Christ. <laughs> anyway. Filibust. Ten points for that shit. Anyway, so she says, he, he, he tells her, you've made great progress. I only pray for your grandmother. Blah, blah, blah. Calls her a sinner. He feels, fears for her safety and her soul. Whatever, dude. Exactly. Enter, except Ulna, Ulna, whatever. Olena and Marjorie, these fucking names. I love Olena Tyrell, and I just want to make that clear to everybody. I wish she was my grandma. I want her to be related to me. She is who I hope that I am when I am an old grandma age lady. I want to be just like her. Basically a bitch. Basically who I am now, but old. She was awesome. She's so dismissive all the time of Cersei, but we'll get to that in a minute. Oh my God, I wrote down so many quotes. But she essentially just threatens Ulna with a good bashing. And how she <laughs> says, essentially, my men will come in here and turn your head into jello if I ask them to. And they won't stop until I ask them to. And then of course... Olena is generally, genuinely, and generally confused by Marjorie's behavior, I think, right up until this scene. I like it. It's great. Marjorie lays it on well. She continues because she knows that this Septon, Septa, is going to give this information right back to the High Sparrow. No question. So she talks about how Loras must repent. Olena ain't having it. You should leave, grandmother. You must. And she really stresses this. And that's when she hands her the little note. Mm-hmm. Passes her a little note. Well, no. Great play by Marjorie. On the first watch, I missed that it was the drawing of their house sigil. Yeah. He's like, what was the note? What did it say? I'm like, oh, it was a rose. I like it a lot. It's a great reveal. It just shows that that's all she needed to write. Yes, exactly. I'm still in the family. Olena gets it. The family's still top priority. Go home. I'm warning you. Pay attention, old woman, to what I'm telling you. Exactly. And that's it. She's got a plan. And, um... Olena's going to go with it. But first, she's going to talk some shit to Cersei. I got to say something real quick. I think right. once Tom and his, once old rubber lips gets the old, <laughs> once old rubber lips gets the old stones over the eyes, and he oh, sheds, which is coming. and he sheds his mortal coil, lucky dude who gets Marjorie next, because she's going to bang the shit out of him. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, probably. Cersei and Olena. Oh, let's talk about it. Boy. Gosh, I love Olena Tyrell. <laughs> Again, I don't even care. Cersei is very unflappable, but you see it kind of wear on her at the end. I wrote down a lot of really good quotes from this, and I don't know if I should just read them all now and then we can discuss the scene or if I should get to them when we get to them, but they're real good. Yes. I mean, basically the whole point in the scene is that Elena talks shit to Cersei, saying the following things. Quote, our two ancient houses face collapse because of you and your stupidity. Yes. Cersei says, I've made a terrible mistake and I carry it with me every day, to which Elena responds, good. <laughs> She then says, I wonder if you're the worst person I ever met. At this age, it's hard to recall. Followed by, you've lost, Cersei. It's the only joy I can find in all this misery. The best is Mic when drop. she says, I wonder if you're the worst person I've ever met. Yeah, I said The that. truly vile do stand out throughout the years. But uh, she tries to keep it simple, though. Cersei tries to stay on the level. You love your grandson. I love my son. We have to protect him. That is all I know. All I know is when I was watching the scene, I was like, the mountain is going to kill Elena Tyrell right now. I know. Right fucking it was now. tense. It was the tense. The whole scene. I like, see that Franken mountain right there, aka Bobby Strong? 
He is about to bash. She thought she was going to bash Sept Ula or whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. She is about to get bashed and it is not going to be good. Did you just call him Bobby Strong? Yeah, because who said that once? I stole that from somebody. Oh, my God. What is he? A fucking all-American tight no, end I from stole, Iowa? I don't remember who said it. It's not my own joke. Somebody one time said it in a comment. They called him Bobby Strong instead of Robert Strong. And I thought it was funny. And so mm. now I'm going to steal it. And I wish I knew who it was. And if it was someone in the chat, please tell me so I can give you credit because I'm totally taking your shit. You know what I do like, though? It's, it's funny because Olena says that she's leaving and she suggests that Cersei do the same. It's almost like this weird professional rivalry courtesy. Like, you should probably go too because you're going to end up dead if you don't go. And if you're going to die, I only want it to be in my hands. You're surrounded by enemies, thousands of them. You've lost Cersei. It's the only joy I can find in all this. I mean, damn. I like this because it's not like Olena's gloating over her by saying, I won. She's saying, you've destroyed us both, you dummy. Yeah, you're stupid. And that's probably the only thing that kept Cersei from lashing out at her was the fact that she's saying, we're both fucked here. That's the gist of the conversation. We're both fucked here, thanks to you. I'm not, I didn't win. I didn't win over you, but I'm going home. I'm done. We've lost. It's over. You fucked up. You gave the High Sparrow the power he needed to dominate the city, and that's exactly what he's doing. It's brutal. Yeah, it is. So she kept her cool, though. I really appreciated that. Anything else here you want to get to? That's pretty much it. All right. So where would you like to move to now? We're going to talk about the Greyjoys now. Oh, nice. Yep, that's where we go on the map next. This is one of my favorite scenes this week. Adorable. Yeah. So they're in Volantis, if I'm not mistaken. Seems like Volantis to me. They dropped anchor at Volantis. Well, they docked. They didn't really drop anchor. But well, um, they dock at Volantis. And how good is Alfie Allen in the scene? You know about my love for Alfie Allen because I've been talking about it for two seasons straight how he's a freaking incredible actor. And guess what? I still think he's an incredible actor and I love him. And I'm really high on Yara Greyjoy now too. She was awesome. I pretty much could have given a shit about her prior to the past couple of episodes mm. and she's really grown on me. Should I pull up a soundboard of you talking shit about the Ironborn? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? There's a soundboard of me talking shit about literally everybody except probably Jorah Mormont. You're a fickle beast, my lady. I'm really, really bad. My whisperers, my little spiders tell me things. I know. I, I'm just imagine if you could go back and get like the freaking like season four episodes and who uh, knows what shit I'd say. I'm working on it. I, I got to listen to those before those get released. I'm working on something with that. I might have recovered them. Um, so Theon's body language is so PTSD, good. I call it. Oh, my God. It is apparent. There's deliberate shots of showing how he's hunched over snapping his head around, looking around. Nervous. Terrified the whole time. The rest of the Ironborn are having a blast. They're hanging out, getting their uh, horse. Yeah, this was, uh, my note says, Theon is all PTSD and Yara's all like, I'm a lesbian, that's not stereotypical at all. A strong woman who wants to be queen and rule and not be ruled over by men also is gay, of course. Why is that of course? Because How many I, other strong women are there that want no, to No, but I find it to be like the woman who's going to rule the iron board and is like treated as kind of like a, a man character, like where, you know, they don't she's want masculine. her to be queen, but she's whatever. Anyways, I could have called that she was going to be a lesbian. Okay. Really? Why? Because she looks like she plays third base at some oh, college somewhere oh for softball. God. I'm going to kill you. She looks like she's batting 350 in college softball. Is that why you thought that? Your words, not mine. <laughs> I like her. Okay. <laughs> When I was in college, people probably thought I was a lesbian, so I don't judge. Uh, Come to my window. Still like that song. Bye. It's on my iPod right now. So nothing on the Iron Islands has an ass like that. 
But I like this a lot. This, the dynamic between these two has really grown. I like, the, the, I like that between the two of them. They are, their relationship is strong. I believe it. She makes a couple of jokes about him. They talk about Euron, and she assures Theon that he will continue to hunt them, that they aren't safe. He's paranoid. The way he sits hunched over, the way she's relaxed, and he isn't. And I like how he doesn't want to drink until she commands him to drink. I thought this was just like me at every party ever where people are like, have another drink. And I say, no, 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 I'm fine. They're like, no, really have another drink. And next thing you know, I'm shocked. Is that because you got your dick lopped off by (laughs) Ramsey Snow and now you're subject to commands easily? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. I was just like, all right. So Theon's being peer pressured to binge drink. Because, you know, I just want to say something. I got a box. I got a package from Amazon and it said it was from the Dreadfort. (laughs) And I haven't. Don't open it. I haven't opened it. So I... If you're, t- you're telling me I might find a sausage in there, huh? Is that why you're sensitive about Yara? Were you a man? I'm just telling you <laughs> that the end reminded me of myself at every party I've ever gone to. Uh, but as soon as she, did you notice that as soon as she commands him to, he does? Yeah, because he's used to being commanded. Absolutely. PTSD as we continue. By an authority figure. He is commanded to drink, drink again, drink again, and he continues to drink. But it's not even just, but I, I want to point out that Yara says a lot of shitty stuff, but she's saying it out of love and she starts this whole thing by saying, you're my brother and I'm not going to hurt you. And she means that. She went to, she was the only person who cared about Theon and wanted to go get him. Yes. She loves her brother. Despite the fact he did try to have sex with her one time. He didn't know who she was, right? Doesn't matter. So weird. He's like, the Westerners do it. Yeah, it's not weird. What am I talking about? Siblings have sex all the time. The Targaryens do it. Who doesn't do it, honestly? (laughs) Anyway. So, you're Ironborn. Drink the god damned ale i need you not this rat shit pretender can you find him for me you've escaped you got away you're never going back we will get you justice and then he's like if those judges i'd be dead at winterville fuck justice they oh, call shut it revenge on. let's kill people together right and then she gives him what i call real tough love and it's you can die or move on so in other words open your wrists right now call it a day jump in the fucking bay so or, Dean tells me when I'm having a bad day. He's yeah. like, listen, you had a bad day today. You can either kill yourself or we can move on. <laughs> Typically, this is how it goes. I say, this is after he yells at me about eating bread. This is usually how it goes. I say, grab a seat at the table. She comes home and it's like all the lights are off in the house. And I just turn on that one overhead light. There's a gun on the table. I go, have a seat. <laughs> There's a box from the dread fort on the table, still sealed. I go, A, you used to be a man. I didn't know any better. That's fucked up that you didn't tell me. B... <laughs> You have a choice. The gun or you... I'm Jessica again. Or, or become Jessica again. And then fulfill your duties to me like the High Sparrow says you should. <laughs> Desire got nothing to do with it. All right. So, um, yeah, I like this. I like this tough love by her. I love that she cares about him. I love that she feels bad that she insulted him and made a joke about, what, you don't like this anymore? About all these beautiful Valantian women running around topless? I mean, just because he doesn't have a penis, he probably still likes it. No, I like when she says, I know you've had a couple of bad years. And Theon's like, uh, I think it's a little beyond bad years there, sis. <laughs> um, what I actually wrote about this is it's fucked up, but adorable. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, it's it's a different world. It's a hard world. And the Ironborn are hard people. And uh, they. Uh, this is it. She says, you can die or you can be you. 
And when he looks up at her, are you with me? She says, when he looks up at her, Theon is there and it's excellent. It's cool music. Now, since it's my last night on shore, I'm going to fuck the tits off of this one. So she's confident that he's back. I'm confident that he's back. And they're going to go find Danny like everybody else and their brother. Jesus Christ. No one's even going to be in Westeros anymore. The music is awesome. I love it. It's such a good scene. And I like to see Theon back. Yeah, Theon's with her. He's not going to slit his wrists. Um, And that's what's going to happen. And I'm high in Yara Greyjoy right now. And go ahead and pull up the podcast two weeks ago where I said she was boring and I hated her because now I love her because I'm fickle and that's how I live my life. Whatever. Listeners. But, but what an odd thing to think about. How does the, how does their fate end? I mean, are they both going to live? I mean, what are they going to go meet the dragon lady? Are they going to meet Khaleesi? Are they going to meet Dan, Daenerys? I feel like they're good for this season, but definitely at least one of them's going to die probably at the beginning of next season. Hmm. But there's too much other shit going on for one of them to die this season. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're probably right. Now I'm thinking about it meta. Like, Jorah Mormont can't die this season. Right. I gotcha. All right. And Alaria Sand ain't going to die this season, so we probably will never see her again. God damn it. Anyways. Let's talk about Snow Davos and Sansa. Yeah, the political party going door to door. On their 10 speeds and their black suits. Make Castle Black great. <laughs> We're going to build a wall. It'll be terrific. So, <laughs> Literally, we built a wall. It was terrific. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> All oh, Trump's like, shit. wait a second. <laughs> so they, <laughs> so they meet with the wildlings, and Dim Dalba is his name. Jon Snow does his old, his old. He pulls out the old hat and goes the old. If we lose, they'll come for you next. I'm Jon Snow. Uh, they're gonna get you next if they get us. Uh. Why you gotta talk shit about Jon Snow? What do he ever uh, do to you, honestly? Other than wear a man bun. He says, this Shave isn't your fight. I shouldn't be asking you. It's not the deal we made. Wah, wah, wah. But Tormund helps him out a little. Because he's the best. He says, he died for us. If we aren't willing to do the same, we're cowards. 1-1 offers his ringing endorsement by simply saying, Snow. Snow. Done deal. They do a, a, the adventurer's handshake. <laughs> the old adventurer's handshake where they just grasp forearms. And then um, Jon Snow is wondering. He's not sure about this. But Tormund reminds him that we're not clever like you Southerners. Southerners. When we say, we'll do it. So this starts the beginning of their rallying for support. Now they have 2,000 people. For sure, yeah. I like this. Jon Snow does well here. I know I'm beating up on him. But he knows how to talk to the wildlings. And if you pay close attention to these scenes, each one of these characters brings their strengths to the table. Sansa struggles a little. We're going to talk about her development here. Yeah, Shame on Sansa. But, but don't worry, she's got shit. She's but John do. does a good job here. Sansa and John fail utterly at Bear Island. Bear Island. We're going to talk about it. Cause and Davos shows up. He's great. And then um, we'll talk about Glover last. Can we talk about the quick exterior shot of Bear Island? Looked fucking awesome. We don't see that a lot. That was some Lord of the Rings shit to me. It was like when you see, uh, when you see Rivendell for the first time on screen, you're like, damn, that's cool. You this quick shot of Bear Island. It looks awesome. And um, it's cool to see where J.R. and Jorah Mormon hail from. It's awesome to see their homeland. It's cool. Love the Mormons. This is his cousin, by the way. Lady Liana is his cousin, just for the record. And when I say his, I mean Jorah. Obviously. You met my cousin, Khaleesi. So let's talk about Lady Mormon. I cannot even begin to tell. First, when I saw this little 12-year-old, I was like, oh, Jesus. And then it continued, and she is my new, basically, favorite character of all time. <laughs> I'm done. I love her. She's amazing. 
This what little actress was so good. What a badass. Can you look her up so we can just offer her credit? Um, she's excellent. I love how Sansa thinks like Sansa here. And Sansa does what would work on her, which is flattery, especially young Sansa. Flattery would have worked on her in a, in a, heart, in a heartbeat. Yes. But it's funny to think about that the way Lady Mormont is... Her name is, is Bella, of course. Ramsay. 10. She's 10. Well, Liana Mormont's 10. I don't know how old. I'll, I'll Google the actress herself, though. But of course, her name's Bella. 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 And so, Twilight ruining lives everywhere. As I was saying, and her last name is Ramsey, so what the fuck are you going to do? She's yeah, cursed. that doesn't actually seem right. So what I was saying here is, is that Sansa tries to flatter her with the skills that she has. You know, on, and she tries to appeal to the little girl and herself, which is not this little girl. Which is funny because as I'm rereading Game of Thrones right now, and I'm on the first book, I'm immediately reminded of the scene of how Sansa and Arya just do not get along. And this girl is gruff and tough like Arya. She's not like a little princess to be coddled after. And I think about Sansa's relationship with Arya and how she struggles and how she tries to apply her Sansa logic to this woman, this young girl, and it fails. And I love it. I believe the direct quote is, my mother wasn't a great beauty or any other kind of beauty. She was a great warrior. Right. So John's like, oh, let me kiss her ass in a different way. And she says, who died fighting for Rob. Now, According to the canon, that is not necessarily confirmed just yet, but that's all I'm going to say on that. In other words, I know that they're saying it, but I don't think they know for sure. I think they assume she was lost, but I don't think that's been actually confirmed. So Snow tries some small talk, and he breaks it down. He brings up the letter. You know, He says, Bear Island knows no king in the north, knows no king but the king in the north whose name is Stark. Great quote. That's the quote that Stannis got, which was great. He was pissed about it. Wretched little girl, he called her. <laughs> and then Snow just straight up asks for allegiance. And no, before he does, no, 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 he doesn't just straight up. First, he tries to kiss her ass. Oh, oh, and she says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've had enough small talk. Why are you here? Yes. Again, love this little 10-year-old child. She's amazing. She shuts him down. And he goes in for the Euro Snow. Oh, and she says, Euro Snow, and since is a Bolton or is it a Lannister? And I would like to go back to this, and I watched this with the subtitles, and it says that she says Sansa, but I'm 95% sure she says Sandra. Like, did you rewatch the episode? I rewatched it like four times. I'm pretty sure she calls her Sandra. You think not it was Sansa. a fuck up? What I don't does know if the it was caption a fuck say? Up. It says Sansa, but it certainly does not sound like it. It's hmm. not throw it out there. Hey, that's, that's pretty cool coming out. The little actress was like, yeah. I'm not even going to learn this bitch's name, honestly. That's pretty cool that you're criticizing a 10-year-old actress. You must feel real powerful. This 10-year-old actress is basically my favorite actress of all time right now. <laughs> playing my favorite character of all time. Of all time. No, but I love her. You love her. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> fickle, fickle Jessica. So you don't just want my allegiance. You want my fighting men. Mm-hmm. Why, Why should she sacrifice yes. another Mormon life for someone else's war? And John and Sansa are like, oh, no, we don't know what to say. And Davos is like, hold on, children. Here I come. Again, the greatest character of all time. <laughs> I'm following <laughs> you your know, logic. Second to Leona Mormon. It's fine. He's smart. He empathizes with her. I understand how you feel, he tells her. He talks about how he was a crabber's son. Son. Crabber's son, who is now addressing a great lady in a time of war. He tells her how J.R. made John a steward. Davos breaks it down to not just people squabbling in the north and these houses and this bullshit, but the very battle between life and death. The dead are coming. 
Coming, he says. Coming. And John says we both lost, referring to J.R. and himself, at the Fist of the Northmen and at Hardhome. We both lost those battles. It's not someone else's war. That's right. Is basically the point that we're making. Davos closes up by saying we have to fight and we need to do it together. So one of the jokes we're making while we're watching this is we're like, here's your shitty starting picture. Thank God we go to the bullpen and bring Davos in to fucking save this wretched Seriously. game. Because it was getting ugly fast. She says we will not break faith today. She offers 62 whole men. And Sansa says 62. And she's like, listen, they fight like 620 men, so shut up, Ten of your little shitheads. So great scene at Bear Island. Great casting. They could have mailed that in. They could have changed that up. They didn't. That's something they really did well on. They, they did not need to do this with this this little girl or her, her being tough like she was. And I watched the, you know, like I always do the HBO afterwards. And um, Benioff and Weiss were saying... You know, John and Sansa are going to go talk to a lot of old men with beards. So what if we have this 10-year-old little girl and she's one of the toughest audiences they have to face? And I love that. I mm-hmm. love that they did that. And this girl did a great job. It's, it's awesome. hard to be a kid actor and do a good job. Cough, cough, Rick and Stark. Cough. Commanding presence. He's not a kid. He's 47. <laughs> and he's still terrible. <laughs> he's, so I don't know what else to say. 53 years old. He's not a child. He can get a senior discount on Tuesdays at places. Even worse about him. He's 173. He's the oldest man of all time. <laughs> He's in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> Rickon Stark. <laughs> so um, their last stop is Grimm. Well, their last stop is the war camp. But before that... Lovers. House Glover. This guy's kind of a douche. I don't really like him. Well, let's talk about it. One of the things he asks is, he says, who's fighting in this army? You knew this was Such coming up. wildlings. Oh, you know, 62 more months and... Um, you know, me and, um, you know, <clears throat> 2000 Wildlings um, and also my <laughs> sister, Sansa. <laughs> we will not abandon our ancestral home to fight alongside wildlings. So Sansa invokes the law. So she's like, I'm going to be tough, too. You're and she good, says, Sansa. House Sansa's Glover is pledged to House Stark. It is the law. She doesn't say that, but she's essentially saying that. And he says, we wept when we heard of your father's death. My brother answered Rob's call. And where was King Rob when the Ironborn attacked this castle, when they brutalized and killed our subjects, throwing people around, getting us and those who followed him killed? I served House Stark once, but House Stark is dead. And let's make some specific points King here. King Rob. Um, which Andre Ramos in the chat said Rob was thinking of his cock. Let's continue to talk about this. Rob wasn't there for House Glover because he was busy with his foreign whore. I would again like to point out how this bitch basically fucked up everybody's life. The Red Wedding happened because of her. The Glovers don't want to fight because of the Starks because of her. Like, she really fucked shit up. Mm-hmm. Honest to God. She was pretty, but good Lord, was she that pretty? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I get Robert's point here. Robert? Is that the guy's name? Ro, 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 Robet. R-O-B-E-T-T is how they spell it. Robet. His name is Robet Glover. I just call him Old Glover Dude. So, Lord Glover, whatever. Oh. He, um, he, you know what? I don't know. Did they really, th- I mean, I hadn't thought about this, but how are you going to convince this guy to fight alongside wildlings? By saying, wildlings are cool too. Like, stop discriminating. I agree. I think what happens- Meet torment and my giants. I think, you know what I would have said to this guy? And look, I get it. He's pissed and we fought with the Starks. And the Ironborn came in and they fucked us up the butt and we lost a lot of men and blah, blah, fucking blah. But Hig Glover, 
here's the deal. You can sit in your little castle and hang out and hunker down and be all mad that you didn't get any relief from the Ironborn because Rob was busy getting his whole wedding party murdered. Sorry about that, buddy. Hey, sorry I couldn't be there while we were getting murdered and fighting a bunch of fucking Lannisters. Sorry we couldn't mm-hmm. swing on up and help you out. All right, that sucks. It sucks that the Ironborn went after him. But fucking when war is declared, that crazy shit happens. Rob can't be in five places at once. And yes, Rob fucked up. He slighted the phrase. But the phrase are responsible with Tywin Lannister for murdering everybody. That's not Rob's real fault, right? I'm sure Tywin would have found out another way to murder fucking Rob Stark. Let's not get too fucking down on Rob Stark. I was, I was complaining about Talisa. I'm, ta- I'm talking about the world, goddammit. I'm on my soapbox, motherfuckers. I'm, I'm talking about myself only, as and then per Glover, usual. And then Glover is, is pissed off. If I'm Jon Snow, you know what I say? All right, all right, Lord Glover, here's what you do. You stay here. Me and the wildlings that you think are scumbags, we're going to take back the North. We're going to take back the North from the fucking Boltons who betrayed us at the Red Wedding, who slaughtered all of our men at camp, who killed stark men at camp. Who killed everyone? Who sewed my brother's head on his on his dire wolf's head on his body that, and marched him around the fucking camp and scattered everyone everywhere while you were getting attacked by the Ironborn? Okay, so that's what happened to us, bitch. So stop your crying. Get out of my face. The Wildlings and I are going to be rallying up the fucking north. The Wildlings are going to be doing your job while you sit at home and sulk because you fucking had people killed. Well, guess what, bitch? Everybody had people killed. All of us, bitch. Whoa. So I don't know what to tell you. That was really violent. <sighs> a violent guy. I'm just too violent, I guess. I don't know. So uh, he served House Stark, but now House Stark is dead, and uh, Davos could not save this. Yeah, that's it. So Glover walls himself in, and that's the end of that. Old Glover. Whatever, bro. Whatever, bro. I don't need you. You're a giant. So at the war camp, Davos reminds them that Stannis camped here. We're all like, we hate yep. Stannis. What else? <laughs> what the fuck else do you want to say? Right. He's the worst. And they talk about their numbers. We already broke it down. What was the number? 2,505. Men total. The men at camp argue. Davos has to break it up. And I got to tell you, there are some eerie similarities going on here. And that's this. John saying, we have to fight with what we have. Sansa saying, we need more men. Does this not remind you of Davos counseling Stannis not to march on the north? Yeah. It's creepy, right? Let us remind you that River Run... Is John going to burn someone we love at the stake? No, but he could be facing defeat. And I'm going to tell you something. The Lannisters pulled 8,000 strong and marched their asses to River Run. 8,000. They would crush this army. The Lannister army would crush this little fucking assembly they got here. And it wouldn't even be close. Okay? Wildlings are not. They're going to get fucking stomped. That's the, the numbers are over-fucking-whelming. And I don't know how many the Boltons have. I know we talked about it before. A few thousand, plus they're defending. But the hope is they can draw they them out. 5,000. That's a lot. That's too many. That's double. So here's the thing. I feel like there's a weird parallel. The very camp that, that Stannis was at, where he marched, the last place he camped before dying was this place. And now Stannis is cautioning John just the way Davos cautioned Stannis. And it's creeping me out, right? But Sansa's got a plan. Sansa has a plan. And I want to talk about Sansa for a minute because she knows about, where are the Knights of the Vale? Moat Kalen? Probably. So not far. So south of, 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 uh, of uh, Winterfell. So they're south of Winterfell. They're north. So then they converge on them from two directions. Here's something I like about Sansa. Sansa did not do well in her little outing. Nope. She struggled. 
She doesn't have a lot of experience at this. Here's what Sansa has experience at. Littlefinger. <laughs> trying to survive, trying to survive amidst psychopaths. Joffrey and Ramsay threatened her constantly. So all she knows how to do is appeal to the status quo and not say the wrong thing and not get herself killed. She's learning. She's picked up some lessons from Littlefinger. Thank God. She has Stark blood, which seems to be helping her. Her heritage seems to be helping her a little bit here. But she's still rough around the edges. She's not good at this diplomacy, this parlaying shit. Lots of parlaying this week, right? Mm-hmm. Not good. Not good at it. And she does something awesome here. She swallows her fucking pride because fuck on her. As mad as she is at Littlefinger, she's still going to fucking send him a raven. And I like that. Is that what she's doing? I think so. No, I know she's sending a raven to Littlefinger. I agree with that. But is that what she's doing? Swallowing her pride? Because I think she's almost being more prideful against John. She's like, John can't get more troops. Well, I can fucking get more troops. I'm a Stark. Right. She threatened, I think she threatened Littlefinger physically and dismissed him summarily. And I think that was very insulting to Littlefinger. He's a lord. I think it was insulting. I think he deserved it. Don't get me wrong. But now she's like, fuck, now I got to go back and ask him for help. I think that takes a certain type of person. And I think that's some that shows strength in Sansa. I think a lot of men maybe might not make that call. A, a guy like Tywin would because he doesn't hold grudges like that. He would. But a, that's, that's a tough move for Stark. I don't see a guy like Ned or even John being like, well, he's a fucker. But I, you know, I, I, I think this shows growth in Sansa to be like, you know what? I'm going to make a hard choice here. I'm going to send a fucking raven to Littlefinger because we need those knights of the veil. We're super outnumbered, even though we didn't part on very good terms. I don't know. I read this differently than you. I don't see it as Sansa swallowing her pride and making this move. I see it as Sansa being like, John is not listening to me. I know better than he does. I'm a Stark. The North belongs to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get the knights of the veil to come. I'm not going to tell John I'm doing it. I'm going to do it because it's me and I can do it because I'm Sansa Stark. Is it possible and we're that's both how I right? Read it. Yeah, no, certainly. But Right. I'm saying... I, I agree with I you. I agree with you that that's, that makes sense. But she's also swallowing her pride to go back and ask Littlefinger for help after dismissing his ass and saying, her quote was, I don't need you anymore. And she just boots him. Now she's going to send a letter because she needs him. All right. So I'm just saying, I think she's swallowing her pride, but I think she is also, but I think that she is taking responsibility. And this is another thing we talked about in a past podcast. Sansa will take responsibility for her own safety going forward. And that's exactly what she's doing. She's taking responsibility of the situation because John is struggling. He's a bastard back from the dead who's a wilding lover who hangs out with wildlings. He's not winning many friends in the North. If it wasn't for Davos, Leanna Mormont says, go fucking pound sand, bitch. And she's 10, so yeah, starting out there. Yeah, maybe she says fucking a few more times. But I think that, yes, I think you're right, but I think I'm right too. I think Sansa- Maybe we can both be right. Imagine that. that would be in other words, so I don't think both points are mutually exclusive. I think they can work in tandem with each other. Oh my God. Yeah. There's hope. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Oh my God, it's so beautiful, guys. You don't even understand. So, um, yeah, I think that's awesome. I think that it's cool that she's doing that. I think she is calling for an army that she knows is waiting for her. I don't know what Littlefinger's going to do. Probably come to her back and call and kill a bunch of people and then uh, marry her and take the north. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily trust him, but I don't think he would make any moves that would be weird at this point. I think if he wins back Winterfell and he gets some support in the north, I think it helps him out. Um, like how many men can Sansa marry though honestly like Littlefinger's really gonna be thinking about that yeah yeah I don't know but I like it I think it's good stuff by Sansa I think it's a good move I like that uh, I like that she's doing it it's a good move boosh yeah old old Baelish old Petire 
Baelish. Oh, I hate when you say that. It's Just the like worst. I hate when you say Sansa. I hate so many Pataya's the worst. It's from the audiobook. Pataya Baelish is how the guy oh says it. God, it's the fucking stop. worst. I'm just going to start calling him Pataya if you piss me off. Oh, oh my God. Please, God. I can't <laughs> even. So there you have it. That is um, the end of the Jon Snow rallying support for the North. Can we get to the fucking battle already? Um, yeah. No, because it's not episode nine, so we can't get to the battle. God. That's true. And that uh, I think where to next? We have one place left to go. All right. Take me there. It's called Bravos. Bravos. Arya's running around all loosey-goosey, is what I wrote. Yeah. My direct quote. I like it. Um, apparently, she doesn't have her sword. She's trying to buy passage on a bunch of ships. I don't know when she left the dark tunnel she was hiding in with her sword, but apparently she did. Yeah, I don't. this this does not play well. I know I mentioned on Facebook that this is kind of weird. Like, I wonder if we have some kind of face-swapping mm. fuckery going on here. I think there are things that point towards that being the thing, what happened and things that point away from it. For example, all of this, everything Arya is doing right now is totally out of character based on where we saw her end the last episode. And she's being 100% careless. She's walking Very around careless. throwing bags of money around. She's walking with her arms behind her back, real rigid and stiff in the beginning of this. It's, she's, it's like the way she's walking is out of place to me. Um, she doesn't have her hair up. She doesn't have needle with her. She's not dressed like she has any urgency about getting away. Um, and then she's just throwing money around. Last I saw, she had needle. She blew out a candle. She was hiding. Waiting for somebody. Like she was going to ambush that. this bitch, the waif. But I don't know. I don't know what happens after this. It's, it's very bizarre to me. So The, the only thing, because I the am 100% episode. on board with the fact that this is not Arya. This is somebody else pretending to be Arya to see what the waif will do. But the way it ends with Arya I know. doesn't feel part. like it's Jon and Hagar wearing her face. I know. So that's the problem. I concur. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, and, and, and also, and I think Nathan might have said this in response to me saying that, is, is that, I mean, is, is Jacqueline going to let himself get stabbed? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Why? He let himself drink poison to die, and then he was just cool. Oh, uh, that's true. So actually, yeah, that point doesn't work. He does have crazy fuckery going on, doesn't he? He did drink that poison one time and die, and then Arya like, pulled off a million faces, including her own face. So, right. Because there was another comment about, Magic. well, can you put on a face <laughs> of somebody who's not dead? Well, we already saw Jockin do that earlier. Right. That's so, yes, point. he can. So, there, so there's precedent. There is precedent. There's precedent for, and, and the motivation would be, don't let a girl suffer or don't let her suffer, he said. He said, yeah, don't let her suffer. Mm -hmm. Which is, the first thing she does is she slashes Arya's belly and then stabs her, pumps two, drops two pumps into the belly. Boom, boom. And I mean, that is brutal. Gut shot. I bet, don't let her suffer. I mean, he, they probably could have poisoned Arya. I mean, the wave probably could have snuck in somewhere and poisoned her or something. She could have just stabbed her one time quick in the skull, just like they do in The Walking Dead to zombies. Yeah, I mean, she could have... I mean, any. It, there's not going to be any real quick deaths with this, these kind of weapons back in the day. <laughs> but, you know, it's crazy to think about well, that it wasn't quick. Obviously, Arya pushed her away and jumped over the water. Now, the only thing I'm thinking is this, and that's why show the blood hitting the cobblestone street? Why show her walking through the street, nobody helping her, wondering what's happening, confused hurt that was my problem right. at the end we see her walking through the street she's bleeding out and she's looking around like for help but she realizes that she can't trust anybody and that is the impression i got from her at the end so i don't understand the aria at the beginning and the aria at the end seem like two different arias it's really like hard to 
they're trying to trick you one way or the other to make you think it's Arya and it's not, or to make you think it's not Arya and it is. And I, and I don't know which way they're trying to go, but either way, they, they don't work. Mm-hmm. The two scenes don't work together for yeah, me yeah. at all. What, what Arya should have done, if this is the case, is she should have got a bunch of atlases and roadmaps and taped them around her body like Omar does in The Wire so he doesn't get shanked in the guts. <laughs> I love The Wire. Oh, my God. Fucking Omar is the best. But yeah, um, I don't know. I was it thinking was, of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. And I was you, like, oh, I know how long it's going to take you to bleed out because just ask Mr. Orange and he'll fucking tell you. I'm fucking dying. I'm fucking dying over here. That guy, Mr. Orange. That's all <laughs> I thought about. I was like, okay, well, I know you're, you're not going to die right away, but you'll die painfully slowly for two days. So, yep, not letting her suffer is definitely not what's happening here. For Kenobi in the chat says, I don't think she was looking for help. I think she was just freaked that anyone could be the waif. That's a really great observation, too. Yeah. and, and, and Like, why not? Why wouldn't the waif come finish the job type of thing? And that's what I wrote is that she looks around to see who she can trust, but the waif can be anybody. Yeah. Which is true. That's what she's worried about. There's just mm. something weird about it. It's definitely weird. Uh, I, her, the way she walked, her arms around her back, no sword, throwing money around. It was just odd behavior out of her. I'm just not sold on it just yet. I'm not sold on it. Part of me think the wave goes back to report and Arya stabs her or something. I don't know. But I think the wave is done, Zos, and I think Arya's going to be fine. I don't think we're going to kill if Arya Stark here. But then again, it's Game of Thrones. Yeah, so I, think, I, I guess we can kill off anybody. I think Arya's probably going to kill Cersei. <laughs> she does have a green-eyed woman to kill. According, I mean, to, according to Melisandre's prophecy of her. Seems reasonable. So I guess we'll see. She could have killed the Cersei actress, but she said, no, 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 no. I'll take the real thing, please. There you go. Well, that concludes this week's episode of Game of Thrones, The Broken Man. Let's do some listener comments. Who are you going to do? I have a couple. I'd like to read a short one and a long one. What would you like me to read first? Why don't you read your short one first? My short comment is by Carlos Freitas, and I agree with it 100%. It reads as follows. Never mind Danny, Tyrion, and Jon Snow. If Lady Mormont isn't sitting on the Iron Throne <laughs> at the end of this series, I'm flipping tables. I like it. Ditto, Carlos. All I'm right. with you. My long one is going to be John Marginson. Um, John Marginson is... We've we've been we we were going to get him to call into the show <laughs> about the Deadpool to do the Deadpool, but there's been really no, no activity. So I'm going to go ahead and read this comment. It's long and thoughtful, and uh, he warns us long post coming. He says this was certainly the slowest step of the season thus far, which is expected when you're going to do something big like bring back the Hound in the manner they chose. While a lot of people thought he'd be back, I think many envisioned a surprise reveal late in the season. It looks like he's back in force though, and not set for a minor role. Arya Hound Roadshow Part Two. And I'm editorializing here. I would love that, John. He continues, it's, It was interesting to see the juxtaposition of the faith of the seven. In one scene, we see the High Sparrow using it to manipulate and get what he wants. Then in another, we see Ray ministering to a broken man instead of bullying him with a bunch of trumped-up charges over past indiscretions. I'm going to pause this right here. I like this a lot, and that's what I was getting at in the beginning of the episode when I was talking about this guy and how he isn't a, he's not a pretender. He is not trying to subvert people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this. Uh, I like this point by John. It's another reason why I thought he was going to be around for a while because I thought he was going to play some kind of heel to the High Sparrow. Oh no, he got hanged. 
He continues, while Ray's fate will fuel Sandor, it really underscores the High Sparrow's nefarious nature. Speaking of which, I'm glad to see Marjorie's loyal to her house and just playing the High Sparrow. Uh, he continues by saying, I'm curious if the attack that killed Ray and his congregation was sanctioned by Thoros and or Beric. I do want to talk about that. We know they're into we're, we know they're into justice, so Sandor will accuse the men and go several rounds of trial by combat, or does he just go on a good old fashioned killing spree? Beric Dondarrion, I don't see why they would kill these people if he's still running the Brotherhood without banners. Mm-hmm. Now, Thoros as well. Thoros and or the Brotherhood without banners. And I should also mention that, you know, Thoros of Mir won the melee at the tournament in Game of Thrones? Pretty wild. So he's a great well, fighter. Not only is he a great fighter, but he's also good at resurrecting dead people. Uh, he's resurrected Beric many a times. And we know they are part of the Brotherhood Without Banners. So if you didn't miss that while watching this episode, and we didn't talk about it, but it's important to remember that the Brotherhood Without Banners, Thoros and Beric are part of that Brotherhood Without Banners. That's where Gendry was and might, mm-hmm. and might still be, which yeah, is interesting. Maybe we'll see him again one day. Arya met up with them. Of course, the Hound killed Beric in the cave, and then he was resurrected. But I think it's uncharacteristic of the Brotherhood Without Banners to murder these people. I just don't understand the motivation behind that. Which makes me speculate, is Beric and or Thoros no longer with the Brother Without Banners? Maybe. Because hmm. the Hound knew who they were right away. Yeah, he did. I think one of the Danes is in there too. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's a, a nephew or a brother or something, but it might be Arthur Dane's brother I thought was in that band too, which I also don't see him doing. But anyway... Back in King's Landing, everyone's closing in on Cersei. I'm curious what her play is going to be to stay alive. I'm starting to think that those who believe she'll torch part of it, if not all, King's Landing may be onto something. Hmm. Riveron, I know the phrase are inept, but why the hell? What the hell is with that siege? All they do is threaten Edmer with a makeshift shanty town outside of Riverrun. <laughs> all Brynion has to do is realize they're Marns and call them on their only play. Speaking of that grizzled bastard, I loved Ron telling Jamie that if it came to it, Blackfish would take him out. Uh, John gets into some of the numbers. John, John's army is sub to 2,500. Ramsey has 5,000 Bolton men alone, never mind the Karstark's numbers. Can we start taking bets on who will bail him out? Brendan is about to get some mail. Littlefingers, oh. So he, I think he's thinking that maybe she's writing the Blackfish. Sure, some brown there. Oh, that's true. Then maybe he's not. Littlefingers garrison him O'Kalen with the Vale forces. Ramsey could always do something insane and push the Glovers to John's cause. The sermons could turn up if Sansa's right. Yeah, like was what? Going kill somebody with his dogs? Mm. Murder innocent humans? And then he says, in hell, there are 8,000 Lannisters in the Riverlands, and Roos kind, did kind of dick them over. Maybe Brendan could say, bail out my niece and you can have the castle. That'd be kind of a cool play. I don't think Cersei would like that very much, and we all know that Jamie only does what Cersei would like. Great point. So, uh, grow some balls, Jamie. Bye. Lastly, the John Sansa Davos trifecta is awesome. John speaks directly with the candor and honesty. Davos knows people and can handle the curveballs, and Sansa knows the game and how to play it. It is weird that once R plus L equals J is revealed, they may start pulling for King John, Queen Sansa in Davos's hand. It'll happen, right? My Oh my God, all these people shipping John and Sansa, you just stop. <laughs> my amassing stacks of fan fiction cannot be denied. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to fan fiction. Great comment by John. Good shit. I loved it. I have another one I want to read. Go for it. Um, my next comment I am going to read is from Tony Piccolo. Piccolo. How Stark remembers in the chat. Every time I hear his name, Piccolo, Piccolo. I think of, I think it's Dragon Ball Z, Piccolo. 
the green dude. He's do you badass. think I know anything about Dragon Ball Z? You don't? Isn't Kakarot your favorite? I don't even know what that means. No, Vegeta. Vegeta's pretty dope. Anyway. Vegeta's? I'm sorry. I'm confused. <laughs> I'm hungry now. <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway. From the moment we saw Ian McShane with a seven-pointed star necklace and the zoom up to reveal Sandra Clegane, I knew we had our route mapped out for the God's champion for Cersei's trial by combat. Oh, God. The battle of the Cleganes will go down in history. Yeah, well, that was my editorial. Marjorie is working um, the playing dead routine. I fear my girl won't make it to season seven, though. Good to see Jamie back on the battlefield since his season one war against Rob Stark. Jon Snow just needs to let Davos talk. He should be the North's recruiter. When you are told Theon, so you've had some bad years, his face is priceless. And in the greatest of news, Lance Lannister looks like he is going up against the mountain with some cannon fodder next week, so my Deadpool dry spell is about to end. <laughs> Mine too, Tony. Mine too. And I am, as I've said every week, I cannot wait. Let's kill some Lance Lannister. Please, God. Awesome. Good shit. All right. Well, that is our listener comments for the week. Jessica, final thoughts on the broken man. I like this episode. I know it was a setup episode. Not a ton of stuff happened and nobody died. Those on my Deadpool only like characters that only existed in this episode died. So that's kind of, you know, is what it is. But I liked it. I got the hound back. There's a lot of intrigue going on as far as, you know, what actually happened with Arya. There's a lot of really funny stuff with the Blackfish, who I'm really high on, and Elena Tyrell, who I'm always high on. So I liked it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it was awesome. I think a standout performance for sure for our, her little Liana. She was awesome. Yeah, Liana Mormont is the queen. She is the queen that was promised, the princess that was promised. I'll take her. The return of the Hound was amazing. And I will say one of the things that I always love about the Hound is wondering what he's going to say next. And I always know it's going to be something funny, yet oddly wise. And this time around, I thought the same thing because I was thinking to myself, I think he's trying to actually really change. And I want to hear what he's thinking. Mm -hmm. I want to know what his philosophy is. I want to know more about what's going on. But that was quickly squashed when they crushed the whole thing. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So that's that. I, uh, I'm excited about it. I think that Cersei is going to freak out. Oh, probably. I think Elena Tyrell says it best when she says, you're surrounded by enemies, thousands. I think that she is going to lose her shit and things are going to go out in a heavy bang. I think this season is going to take quite a few characters with it when it goes out. I hope they're all in my Deadpool. I think it's going to get ugly pretty fast. I, of all of the mysteries this week, the Brotherhood Without Banners is a curious one to me. I want to know what's going on with them. What are they doing? What the fuck? Why are they acting like this? If they were, if that in fact was them, I'm curious as to why they would slaughter these people. I don't get it. Are they under new leadership? That that's crazy to me. They were they're they're I, I just don't see them doing something like this. I just don't see them killing all these people. And if they do, maybe I'm wrong. But I don't know. It's crazy. I think that People are talking about a game ball. I'm just not sure how it happens. I'm just not sure how he travels all the way to King's Landing to answer the call for some kind of battle. He's got a bunch of Brotherhood Without Banner men to kill first. So I don't know if how he's going to end up being there to champion Cersei. Speaking of Cersei, what's with the goddamn justice system in King's Landing grinding to a halt? Is she going to get a tribal combat or what? Yeah. Can we move on with the goddamn legal system? And then the week after is the Bastard Bowl, and then is episode 10, right? I think you're probably right. Wait, wait. Is is episode 8 next week? No. Next week's episode 7, right? Yep. I think the Greyjoys end holding court with Danny. Okay. I don't think Euron's... I don't think... I don't... 
I don't know if we're going to see yarn think, again. I don't think we're going to see a lot of yarn this season. I think we're going to see more of him next season, which I'm really great with because I think he's handsome. And I like to know that he'll make it another yeah. season. Uh, M. Vandy is saying, why would the Sparrow allow trial by combat? Because he doesn't have a choice. Trial by combat is a law of the land, and I believe it is a right that can be invoked by the guilty. And the reason it is a right is because it follows the old school King Arthur thing, which is... No knight who is false in the eyes of gods may win in battle. So it's very much, the highest power should be all for it because according to what he believes, that the gods will favor the just side and that person will win the combat. So that is why the highest power would favor trial by combat because if he's true to his beliefs, he knows that no knight who is false may lose in battle. So I believe that's the angle he's going to play. And he might still be right. I guarantee you the High Sparrow has thought four or five moves ahead and uh, that he's got some plans. He's proved to be more crafty than I gave him credit for. And uh, I don't know how it's going to go down. I could see some weird fuckery going on, like a trial by combat, and then one of the combatants lets themselves be killed to cause the victory or whatever. Some fuckery's going to go on. It's not just going to be two guys score off and the mountain smashes somebody's head in. That's just not going to happen. If the mountain doesn't fight the hound or somebody worthy, there's no fucking way that anyone can beat him. And I think there's going to be some fuckery that occurs in that trial by combat. So don't get too excited about Lancel Lannister fighting the mountain because that's just not even a contest. Great. I'm excited about Lancel Lannister just being killed by the mountain for no apparent reason. Done. Yeah. See you later, we'll Lancel. Anyway... I think that is the end of it, and uh, we're going to get out of here. We will uh, check you guys on the flip side, and uh, that is all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out LSG Media's coverage of A Game of Thrones. Make sure you check us out on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net, where you can see other shows we have like The Walking Dead and the Science Fiction Film Podcast. All right, folks, we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Have a good one.